millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Ben Roy-Taylor. Hello there. Hello, I'm Josh Brown. Hiya, guys. Chaps, it's a Friday, and it's also been one hell of a week. There's a whole bunch of news items dropping left, right, and center, from Cyberpunk 2077's new details to the PS5 menu interface stuff being shown off, and even GTA 6 potentially having a leaked map. Um, so we took to Twitter and asked for your various questions, and we just thought we'd delve into everything. Um, of all the things I just mentioned, hardly any of the questions have got anything to do with Cyberpunk and GTA, but not to worry, there's plenty of other things. Um, first one from Mr. Dale Brown, who says, what are your honest thoughts regarding Sony being so secretive regarding hands-on impressions with the PS5 versus Xbox being so open for weeks now. Do you think that Sony are waiting, are Sony waiting too long to get the console previews out? Um, Benway, what's your initial take? Uh, I reckon it's got a lot to do with the global bastard that is ruining the world. And <laughs> probably they're just being weirdly secretive this time. Like last time it they wasn't. This time, this time last, last, uh, what do you even call it? New cycle. gen, new gen cycle around. Everyone had already been touching it. Like we've, we had, people had controllers in the wild and stuff like that. That's probably mm-hmm. down to like Adam Boy's leaking things. But uh, it was things were out there. We knew there's there's a weird aura, and I, I just literally think it's probably the UI has only really just come together in the past few mm-hmm. weeks, and the production of the consoles. They were so I reckon they were so unsure about things like that, and until like. The last week it feels. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like Josh. You remember when we started covering it earlier? I think it was earlier this year. It might have been last year. Time doesn't exist anymore. But we did a whole story on how there was a, uh, there was rumours that uh, Sony had like a factory shortage on various parts and stuff, and then that was kind of unfounded. Sony were like, like there was a whole report about them uh, having some sort of shortage, and then Sony were like, no, no, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. And um, but it has taken until what is now three, four weeks before launch to even see what the menus look like, and we still don't know what the PlayStation Store looks like either. Yeah, it's like, it's a strange rollout, but I do think part of it is intentional. I'm sure, no doubt, some of it was impacted by the ongoing global bastard. But at the same time, like, that's not, I'm, I'm, I'm giving um, What Culture Wrestling the full credit for that. That is oh, okay. Josh Brown original. Um, but yeah, when it comes to like the marketing of the machine, I actually think it's been quite smart because we have been ravenous for every piece of hype. We might not have enjoyed it that much, but every single like drop, every single, every single news drop has felt like an event, you know, whether it was the actual game reveals 
themselves, whether it was the price, whether it was the console, whether it was the goddamn UI, it's mm. all felt impactful and big, whereas Microsoft has been far more open. And again, you could argue as a consumer, that's much better. But for building hype, I think being a bit secretive, holding off until a few weeks before, and then kind of having these drops kind of creates that energy, the, the sense of that you, a sense of drive that you need to get this machine. This is why it's coming out. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I think you could just look at the fact that it has <clears throat> sold out everywhere to kind of point you towards the fact that they probably didn't need to show off anything earlier than they have because everything's sold out anywhere. It's going to sell. And now that we're in the kind of final month, we're starting to see, you know, the system more substantially and i just kind of think they're very different opposing ways to sell a next-gen console and to market mm. a next-gen console but i don't necessarily think one is better than the other they're just like like so many of the different features of this next gen sony and microsoft are just doing their own things this time around they're not even yeah. it doesn't feel like they're even directly competing the only time i feel like they are directly competing is when they have those snide twitter back and forwards back and I forth Give me, you know, like, like when um, we did like the teardown and I think yeah. it was like the guy was taking off the little, um, what would you even call it? The little, the little stand. stand thing. Yeah. yeah. And then Xbox tweeted, well, all we have to do to change uh, the way it's positioned, you just, you just take it, it on its side. There was another one of them yesterday as well. There yeah. was, uh, was it the UI? The, after the UI video came out, they just put a JPEG up on Twitter and go, here's the UI. <laughs> See, I think that's them trying to sort of do what, like you mentioned Adam Boys before, like that, that yeah. whole <clears throat> sort of like viral video from 2013, the whole how you trade games on PS4 thing, which arguably buried them completely overnight. Dead. <clears throat> it's almost like they're trying to sort of get back that sort of thing or get some ground back. Um, I don't feel like those things have got over as well as they did when this, on the Sony side. Um, but I don't know. I think that it's, it, I don't know. I'm fascinated by all the sort of ramifications of just how much this year has had like an impact on, you know, like the literal manufacturing, the factory, the, the shipping side of it and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess just it, they seem to be bringing it together. It's either an incredibly careful marketing plan um, where all of these videos hit and the engagement is sky high or they're scrambling to put it together as they slowly fall towards the earth. I have to assume that it's the former. Um, there's another question from Mr. Dale Brown um, who says he's heard mixed messages and concerns over the liquid metal inside the ps5 and he knows a bunch of people who have decided to cancel their pre-orders due to concerns of its long-term viability and um, i will be getting both systems on launch day but would love your thoughts um this thing is fascinating because for me i went all like "Ooh, new stuff when they said they were going to do the liquid metal cooling thing um and i have done a bit of um, bit of googling on this before we started recording um apparently like you know liquid cooling is obviously something that's used a lot in pc circles it tends to be like thought of as a high-end thing it's like a niche thing um but there is a very re very real you know sort of potential repercussion that the liquid center thing can break um, and especially when you're shipping that many systems like globally um, and it's such a high specification to get it right there is a chance that it could all go sideways um, so I wouldn't be canceling pre-orders over it I'd have to hope that Sony have got it locked down and they've made a big um, point of it in the uh, the teardown video saying like look we figured this stuff out but what do you guys think of all the liquid cooling stuff does it freak you out Skynet, isn't it? Skynet's here and they're slowly <laughs> yeah, sneaking. The T2 was T living inside your PS5. And no, it's just T1000. They're sneaking the T1000 into yes. every household and then we're all going to die. But no, um, like you just got to think of it like the 360 ring of death, red ring of death, that you're not going to lose all that money. If, it, if it's a fault at the system level, they're mm -hmm. going to honor the whole, like, send it in. Because even the PS3 had the yellow light of death and yeah. I think Sony honored that. So even, even if it was to break in another catastrophic thing, I don't think they could survive that sort of thing like Microsoft could. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you'll be fine financially. I think they'll just sort you out. 
you'd have to imagine that like i mean yeah like you'd have to imagine there's sony it's the playstation 5 they've had a long time to put it together um that it would be some sort of safe way to do it i like the idea i mean because there's been a lot of hands-on reports about how cool the ps5 is literally and sorry how cool it is how quiet it is um i mean i guess it's cool too but um, in terms of, you know, you minimize the heat, you don't need to rely on the fans. It means the whole system runs extremely quietly. And that a lot of that is down to like this three-prong cooling system they've got, like the liquid metal thing. They do have some fans and they have a whole um, like heat sink thing built into it as well. Um, it, it seems like they've kind of prioritized like cooling systems, which is what you want. Um, even though the system is the size of a TV itself, like it, it seems like it is this massive thing. Josh, what's your thoughts on uh, the T-1000? Um, well, I'm not like going to sit here and pretend I know everything about the properties of liquid metal outside of Terminator 2, <laughs> but I have also been doing like some reading and some, uh, I was watching the Digital Foundry um, mm. video about the PlayStation breakdown the other day, see what they said about it, because it is like this new thing, essentially. And I know a lot of people are worried that it's going to essentially result in, you know, their playstations having to be returned or having to be you know swapped out for something else and i do think obviously that's valid you know like mm. the longevity of this uh, this part you know might have issues in the future but we've 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 always had that and it's not an excuse yeah. but it feels like a lot of these parts are kind of like going to have issues the longer you use them and the more use you get out of them and like that's not awesome but it seems like sony's kind of chosen this for a reason they're obviously going to be aware of the potential drawbacks of it and they've still gone with it because hopefully that's the best solution that they had to like this issue and i feel mm -hmm. like you know like, i'm gonna have to just kind of trust them because yeah it might not work but it also it also might it also might and they've done it <laughs> for a reason and kind of like they've been like i think the digital foundry guy said you know like they've been in this business so long now that i don't think they would do something that monumentally cocks up a system or mm. absolutely ruins its lifespan because you know they're, they're not really in that business they want to sell the machines they want to cultivate a good community they don't want to have to encounter a sort of red ring of death style situation and hopefully the the liquid metal kind of gives us the all of the perks that mm -hmm. that part kind of like contributes to the system uh hopefully without that drawback becoming a major kind of major thing because even if you look at now like the thermal paste on the playstation 4s like that thing like wears away like yeah. quite quickly you have to replace it i do not have the tech know-how to go into my playstation playstation 4 pro and do that so i'm just kind of being living with this <laughs> loud ass um machine for a long time even after i've taken the dust out of it so it's Levitating. like all of these parts they're all in some ways going to have issues eventually it's just how much of an impact will that have we don't know currently i don't know i i, I just i wouldn't personally have cancelled my pre-order over finding this out maybe no. it's because i am entirely uninformed and i don't know the severity of the situation but from what i've read up on um it feels like it could potentially be an issue but not like something that's going to make me regret investing in the machine, especially no, this early on. I get that it can go either way, but I think the, the vast majority is going to go positively. Like, it seems like it is this incredible solution to cooling. It's been used in, in PC circles for a long time. Um, I did have a bit of Google for the specific components of this, uh, and there was something called gallium that apparently is incredibly toxic if it, if it mixes with water. So there's <laughs> so okay. like potential doomsday scenarios for how your PS5 could kill everybody that well, you love about. But, what was know. on the teardown video? Wasn't there like a little disclaimer at the bottom? Like, if you open your PlayStation 5 console, beware of radiation or something. <laughs> 
you will like die. Yeah, yeah, there's a thing. It says in the uh, disclaimer, it says that you'll get there's laser radiation, there's like potential for laser radiation. So yeah, just full on, like Ben Roy said, full on Terminator. You know, T two is coming for you, or T one thousand is coming for you. Um, next question from uh, Ethan, who says, "Do you think Red Dead Redemption Two will get the GTA Five next gen port treatment?" Um, which I guess you know refers to obviously GTA Five was released on PS4 the year after it came out on um, PS3 or the past gen consoles. Do you think they'll redo Red Dead Two? I don't because the game looks so stunning anyway. I don't really see them putting the time into that but you never know uh but yes they will put out they will put it out on ps5 and they will sell it for 50 or 60 dollars or pounds or maybe even 70 mm. and rockstar will sell millions of copies and that's how it probably will go and it'll look a little bit nicer but it'll all all in all, probably be a bit pointless. I guess, to be honest, I was thinking, I don't think they'll go back to it and, and up-res it the same way they did with GTA Five. Like, GTA Five on PS4 had, like, you know, traffic density was different and it was upgraded. I did, if they port it, then fine, but I don't think they're going to change it. I mean, it probably look a bit, a bit better. They can probably mm. just switch the sliders, but, I mean, you don't, you don't want to do traffic density in this because it's meant to be, like, the open west, isn't well, it, yeah. really? I don't... I, yeah, I, in that case, I don't think there will be anything in the game, but I think it will look better, and I think they probably will cash in money in the bank and put some more out there. <laughs> All the wrestling references. Lads. Lads. I have been having wet dreams about this idea for a good oh. few months now. I absolutely want Red Dead Redemption 2 remastered for PlayStation <laughs> 5 or Xbox or whatever looks best because that game is excellent and I would absolutely pay top money for it. I might be going against all of my morals and everything I've said previously about remasters and you know smart <laughs> delivery and stuff. But for this one game, I would make a terrible ethical um, exception and just buy the crap out of it. I don't know if they will, because I think GTA was a special occasion, not just because it's GTA, but mm -hmm. because it came out right at the very tail end of the last generation, you know what I mean? It came out yeah. just before the next-gen machines, so a next-gen kind of edition was, in, in a lot of ways, essential to have the longevity for GTA Online, especially because, you know, that expanded what it could do and how many players were coming in and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, they might do it with Red Dead Redemption because obviously that's their second biggest franchise at the moment. It's just had like the PC part and stuff. Um, and I feel like if they're bringing back GTA Online for PlayStation 5, you know, two generations after it um, launched or whatever, uh, why not? Why not? You know, like yeah. just do it. Yeah. If, if they bundle in the long rumored Red Dead Redemption 1 remaster into the second one. God, like, if that thing's that real. A, that would be a good double. Is all it's true. It may, spoilers, spoilers, I guess, for about two seconds. They've made Red Dead Redemption 1 in 2 anyway. Yes. So it's not really feasible. It's pretty much all there, right? So like, it's mm -hmm. just asking to be done. Yeah, that was always the foundation of that sort of rumor leak thing is that in Red Dead 2, eventually you can venture back to Red Dead 1's map. So they do have those assets there. I'll tell you what, I'll take it if they give me another Undead Nightmare style thing because <laughs> give me some more zombies in the West. Big zombs. I, I, yeah, I, just, I guess I'm curious about it. For me, Red Dead 2 feels so complete. It feels like this labor of love that took so long to come out. And with Dan Hauser leaving and things like that, I just I feel like you would get a port. You wouldn't get like the you know, them retouching stuff up and things like yeah. that. But you never know. Um, next question from Coach Marv. Um, as developers look to maximize fan retention, do you think we'll see a rise in the number of titles that are released episodically? Um, a higher initial purchase price, which acts as a subscription 
to a game that promises monthly slash regular updates? Um, I think that overall, like that's an interesting question. I think it's also worth picking apart that this generation, so many top tier devs have tried to find ways to monetize games over time. Um, like there was that whole Kotaku report, I think it was in 2014, um, that like 90% of people don't finish their games. Um, you know, and you've seen so many devs go down the games as a service route or just find a set of goals that you can repeat day in, day out, have different goals that, you know, reset and things like that, loot systems and whatever. Um, yeah, what do you guys think of that? That there, another way to change monetization would be to sort of embrace the episodic side of it. It, it depends game by game, really. And I don't, for the, for the most part, I don't think it works. We saw the success of it in Hitman because mm. I think they were basically, they hadn't finished the game and they were trying to fix things and they rejected all the pre-orders for that initial edition and everything like that, which was kind of unprecedented where they're just like, nah, don't worry, have all your money back sort of thing. But, yeah. And then they went back on it with the WB publishing. So maybe they'll, like, and they're not going to do that again with Hitman 3. So if they're not doing it and they're the ones that, arguably apart from telltale and like their heyday did it the best i don't think anyone should really dabble with it unless we ever get a half-life free and then i will accept it and then <laughs> I, I, I will give it the um the gabe newell seal of approval but apart from that nah I, I mean, I'm curious, yeah. like something like Last of Us 2, where it's like the story comes out now and they actually, you know, throughout development, they delayed uh, the multiplayer, we'll put it out separately. Same with Cyberpunk. Like there's a way to sort of episodically do it, even if those episodes are massive separate games. If it's multiplayer, then yeah, sure. But not if it's the actual story. Like if it was, you give me Last of Us, the half, the first half of the game, and I've got to wait a year for the second half, I right. would be pulling my eyes out. Like, where is it? Why am I waiting sort of thing? But mm -hmm. like with GTA, when the multiplayer came out, what was it, like a couple of weeks later, like that's totally fine. Like do what you need to do to get the job done at the end of the day, but don't, I, I, I can't really vouch this. No, no, I, I'm not necessarily in support of it. I think that idea of, you know, like on the, on the money grubby publisher side, because obviously microtransactions haven't panned out at the minute. They're sort of exploring them down the cosmetic side. But if you take a full, you know, you take a full game that would be sold for now, 70 pounds or $70 or whatever, um, and split that. Could we like, could a publisher force those like, you know, dividers in there to be like, actually we'll sell you it in chunks just so they can maximize revenue that way. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I don't, I just, I just don't see it in that extent, especially not in, like, in the, in the um, like classical episodic sense. Mm. Like Ben Roy said, you know, I feel like we've had publishers trying to do that about five years ago, Square mm-hmm. Enix especially, and then kind of not getting away with it and not making as much money as they wanted. I'm sure we'll get games that are more segmented and we have pieces of them kind of like sold off or monetized in a different way. You know, there were all those rumors about um, Halo um, Infinite's like multiplayer being free to play and coming out either before or after the campaign. Remember Halo Infinite? Remember Halo remember Infinite, that? boys? I can't uh, remember that. It's called Halo Craig Edition. <laughs> Come on. Craig Edition. Yeah. But um, I feel like, yeah, we will sort of see that and we're kind of almost seeing the pivot to that now with the likes of, you know, Call of Duty Warzone being an entirely separate thing from the mainline mm. Call of Duty and that will live beyond Modern Warfare and into the next CODs and kind of act as this support and complementary addition to other releases you know what i mean another service mm-hmm. but i think i don't i can't imagine us going to a place where it's like right you can pay 30 pounds for the campaign you can pay 30 pounds for the multiplayer you can pay something else for like this add-on and kind of make them episodic that way that's that kind of seems a bit antiquated especially when in this day and age i feel like um, publishers are all about getting us in, you know, getting us into a unified experience and then milking us dry in there through microtransactions <laughs> and stuff because they do make a lot of money through microtransactions even if they have had to transform them and misshape them from loot boxes to cosmetics or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of unification idea is in one sense good for the player because it means we get occasionally some free-to-play experiences and stuff mm-hmm. or and we get entry to a certain part of a game but also that could become a bit um, worrisome where you might have to, you know, pay $5 to unlock this mode or pay whatever to unlock something else. I can see games... I think they'll find a way. ...segmented like that. They will find a way. They always find a way to monetize yeah. everything, man. Mm-hmm. Um, next question down uh, from Luke Cullen, who says, is there anything at all in terms of the essence of the gaming industry, whether it's innovation from game studios or player engagement, en- player engagement, et cetera, that you feel is being lost over the years as we transition from one console generation to the next? Um, now, this, I think this is a really interesting question um, because I, for me, my mind after that went to um, the lack of innovation in the AAA space, um, especially this generation. I feel like we've just seen so many big devs double down on stuff that we know works, bankable mechanics that you can repeat. Uh, over and over again, hence the Ubisoft formula um, or things like that. And even something like Cyberpunk, for me, one of my biggest bugbears is that it just looks like a bunch of mechanics we've already done a hundred times, but done better than ever, or at least polished more than ever. Um, so for me, it would be the lack of innovation in, in the AAA space, in the top tier space, which if you compare to the 2000s, every other big game had brand new mechanics, brand new ways to play it, brand new ways to interact with you know game mechanics and, and spaces and environments and things like that. Um, what comes to mind for you guys? Or, or would you just disagree with it that it's like we're not losing anything at all for momentum oh it's a really good question but also a really difficult one isn't it Mm. because i do think in terms of exactly what you said not just parody like the idea that we're just using a familiar set of game mechanics and a familiar set of formulas over and over again and we're looking for the games that do that the best i feel like that has come to a head over this past generation especially where you know the laser focus on these games which cost so much money and take so much time Mm. uh, they're focus tested to death they all have the same set of crafting mechanics and (laughs) semi-open world sort of like the sony formula yeah yeah in like 
they've made some really great games. Some of the best PlayStation exclusives, some of the best third-party games have been under that formula. But also, like, I feel like, you know, so many developers now that we used to associate with kind of variety and innovation. You know, we were just talking about Rockstar. Like, mm. Rockstar are great. They've made some of my favorite games ever, especially this generation. But they've had, like, two games this generation, you know what I mean? And they were yeah. great, but where's, where's yeah, Bully? Really. Where's Mad Max? Where's Table Tennis? You know what I mean? All of these cool experimental ideas in different Payne, IP. Mate? Do you mean a bit of Max Payne? Oh, sorry, yeah, Max Payne, not Mad oh, Max. Oh, you mean but you also, care about Mad Max, I know. Where's Mad Max as well? That's another <laughs> game that I just couldn't imagine getting made now. Like, even that mistake was bringing up a game that you know someone would have taken a risk on five years ago but no one would be making a mad max 2 like now and it's weird yeah for me like for me that's why i'm so fascinated by the indie space like i feel like indie games are the ones doing the experimental game mechanics it's so rare that you get it in a top tier space and i know that's because they need to make their money back and the gamble is bigger etc but something like the mad max thing like the handful of licensed games that we've got this gen like it was the mummy demastered it was the mad max game from avalanche like it was very few titles that sort of like John Wick is made by Biffle, like who's the dude that did, you know, volume and uh, Thomas was alone. Like it's just, it is, a, it's a strange time with that. Um, ben, what would you think of the overall conundrum? I, I have nothing unique to add to it. So I'm going to go with the whole, <laughs> I'm going to piggyback on Josh, who's piggybacked on you and say the whole sort of thing of the, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to all or nothing now, right? It seems either you take the Ubisoft game one formula, or you take the Sony sort of like Jim Ryan formula over here, or you do, you throw it on Game Pass and that's really it. I don't feel like you get anything like, I was just, I've been watching a couple of like retrospectives recently on like Dead Space and things like that. And you just mm. don't get a surprise banger of that sort of budget. That was EA as well. Like, yeah, that was EA doing like when they had their little re- renaissance like from 2008 and whenever Dead Space 2 came out, which is bloody, bloody effing amazing. I, <laughs> and like when you had to create things like you had uh, people like Alice go out there and create such games like, you know, the, the Kane and Lynch series that they came out and they were just like, you know, different things like that we had throughout the last generation singularity i'm gonna keep uh banging singularity, drums. raven software that's yeah. such a shout raven used to be such a dependable hopefully very dev hopefully they one of the oh, they sorry. come back out of call of duty hell they've come out of the mm. map making hell and they're making the campaign hopefully they, they can climb out of that and then who knows like let's spread the Star Wars license out around a bit and give yeah. them another shot because they made some great Star Wars games. Star Wars is such yeah. a worthwhile thing. If you want to drill down the problem with this generation to, in terms of innovation per dev, it's literally the Raven problem. It's you take a dev that were, you know, game by game, like, like the X-Men Origins Wolverine game was brilliant. Even though it doesn't sound great, that was thing was brilliant. Uh, Singularity was brilliant. And then they just got completely hoovered up to churn out Call of Duty content forevermore. Yeah. All right, that's exactly what I was going to say. You've got all of these great studios who used to create their own games. And yeah, they might not have been 10 out of 10 AAA blockbuster experiences, but mm. that doesn't mean that they were worthless. Like Ben Roy said, it's not an all or nothing kind of gamble. You know what I mean? We should have this space where these talented people and these talented studios get to create their own game once in a while. Because I mean, I love Vicarious Visions. I think they're doing some excellent work. Mm. And it's great to see them make their own titles again. But even they're like making remasters and continuations of other franchises that are bankable, you know what I mean? And they're mm-hmm. the exception. And it sucks to see them get swept up into the big franchise machine. You know, Dead Space, like you mentioned there, Ben Roy, like Visceral Games were awesome. Then they got pushed off Dead Space. And then they were making Battlefield Hardline. And it's like, how has this been allowed to happen? This is exactly what's kind of been wrong with the entire like past and then they were kind anyway half, i guess and then they, they were, were killed anyway yeah mm-hmm. they were set like, up why? like 
oh hey oh, it's like oh hey um could you uh could you make sure this sells x amount of units like it's impossible he just totally sort of like <laughs> got corporate sort of like uh backstabbed into like destruction like i mean maybe do what um is it sunny bent that made days gone mm-hmm. like i mean i'm not this is like that studios when they're based in somewhere like a big city like san francisco or london or anything like that that it's going to be hard you've got to make a certain amount of bank back but i think one of the reasons i other people have said this as well why days gone basically took seven million years to make and they could survive is because they're in the middle of the woods and the rent there <laughs> is cheap so like, imagine like if we get I think this is we're getting with like more studios sort of building up or even mm-hmm. do what Biffle Games is doing, like doing like doing around sort of like work from home at the moment sort of thing. Like maybe like if we diversify for where studios are based a bit more and then they mm-hmm. can take more time to get these sort of like what is to them like a triple A sort of thing, but more like what the mainstream see is like a double A in that sort yes, of sense. Like, the whole all the, the whole double A concept. For me, I don't think Last of Us, Red Dead, Cyberpunk, Final Fantasy Seven, in terms of I've I've said this loads before, but I don't think they're the bar to be aimed for. I think they're the absolute maximum end of a given spectrum. We should get like, like three or four of them a, a generation, maybe like five at a stretch sort of thing, but right. like which and we the do kind of, yeah. but I mean, that, when Sean Layden left Sony and he was like, he was like, I would love to see a reduction in overall production cost, budget cost to be able to let devs like Naughty Dog, Rockstar, whoever make more games overall. For me, that's what I would be all for. And if the sacrifice is, you know, 4K detailed backgrounds or whatever, then just make that change. Like the, the important thing is the game mechanics, not the visuals. Um, but that's a whole other separate conversation. But yeah, for me, it would, would be, you know, amending that stuff to allow those devs to do more so that they don't go for the biggest thing over and over again i think that we've proven that that formula is has fundamental problems in regards and to how star wars, AAA games work star wars squadrons was kind of that as well but mm. it does feel like it's sort of like get it out get it but out they didn't market it at all yeah, like that would have been just, such a great way to market something on the side it just it just feels like we i would like a middle sort of like smaller it doesn't have to be like shorter but mm. just like say i don't mind if you reuse the same corridor or if i'm going down the same thing like i'm sure there's a lot of in dead space one that was like sort of reused and like sort of like tricks and things that they did to sort mm. of like you know and so i guess well when you go down you go down somewhere you're not shooting you know you're always going to come back there shoot because they can't right. just build all this stuff just to like go have a little chat down and hold, either like hold your thing on the headset like marcus phoenix were doing and one and done sort of thing i think mm-hmm. yeah just sort of like middle ground games but then it's also it's hard to market to the masses because then you can't go it's the biggest thing ever see that but that they don't need to do the biggest dice roll ever it's just it's accept, it's just it's greedy corporate higher-ups just admitting to themselves that they don't need the biggest take every single time hence the yeah. avengers falling on its face um, and also hellblade um, ninja theory proved that you can do a triple a looking game on a on an indie budget like you know there's there's ways for all that stuff to get balanced out but for me it would it would be like reducing the production costs um overall or reducing the scope of a certain title based on the idea being that you get more titles out over time. Um, anyway, thank you very much for the question. I figured who that was from, but thank you very much. I did Luke, read your name at the beginning. Yes, I think it was Mr. Luke. Um, next one from David uh, Cormelo, who says, do you think Xbox should have come up with a new UI for Series S slash X, or is it for the best that it shares the UI with Xbox One? Um, for me, total subjectiveness, I like a new UI, I like a new system, I like it to look like a new system. Um, although they have sort of, the Xbox Series X is like a revamped version of the current one. Um, it's not as drastic an overhaul as the PS5's UI. What do you guys think of the, the visuals of the Series S slash X so far? I'm the Windows yeah. tiles. Sorry, Ben Roy. 
the, the windows <laughs> tiles man like they make me feel sick every yes. single time i'm yes. like why why is this design good every single time i boot up my xbox one and i know the xbox one x is slightly different mm-hmm. i'm like like why have you done this i get what they're going for they're going for this unification thing across all of the xbox family and i'm sure it's in, like you said it's entirely subjective if you like that style mm. that might be awesome you know what i mean you've got everything that looks the same you know exactly what you do it is very functional but for me i look at it and i just i feel cold i think i've talked about this in a podcast before i boot it up and i feel upset <laughs> i don't feel welcomed in when i boot up the playstation i see my lovely blue theme that i've never changed in seven years and I sorry sorry hold on jingle. sorry no sorry. no no i hate it <laughs> oh just you and this theme ben roy mate did you know that josh just hasn't changed his theme in seven years I've heard this. Also, you know what? I have a friend that has done the same, but his is red. So I, <laughs> I can't understand. No. Anyway, it's carry on. Have you not got the? Did you not get the free one from the Hobbit third, the third Hobbit movie? Get a bit of Gandalf on the back of your screen. Yeah, uh, Gandalf. He's he's too sad for me. Like he's too grey. He's got something <laughs> shifty going on behind those eyes. You were you were in the middle of the point there, but I couldn't let that stand. I had to let I had to no. get that aired out again. I was more or less finished. I was just saying, like, if you like the Xbox UI, I don't think it's a big deal that they haven't really changed it much because that's what they're going for. They're going for that unification thing. But as mm. someone who really rallies against it for whatever reason, it hits me on a primal level. And I don't really understand why I don't like it. I just don't find it very cozy or comforting. Um, it's actually <laughs> weirdly puts me off Xbox as a brand. And I don't know why. It's a weird psychological Ooh. thing. I totally get that. I was saying, I tell you, get that. Just someone who oh, just going to be like, Ugh. but I hate. I, I don't hate, but I just don't like using Windows PCs. Like I don't yes. like whenever I use them. I think it comes from like working on them for so much over the years, and they're always dry and. Uh, and then I go and use a, a lovely Mac, and it just looks like pretty and nice, and I can just do what I want. But I can't play games on it, and I can't do other things. Yeah, I know you can't do certain things. Like oh, you can't change certain things on an iPhone. I don't care. It looks fine, and I like how it is. But with an Xbox. They, they put that thing through a blender so many times that like at one point you started up an Xbox, I'm sure at one point in our lives and it, the first thing the icon was on was an ad, for example, yeah. like in the, in the Dom prime days, but like where it is with like PlayStation, like I think it's just reached the pinnacle. Like I just don't need anything. Like I do obviously need stuff new because we always need to move on and like progress. But with that, but with what we got on the PlayStation four and similar to the PlayStation three, mm-hmm. it just, I mean, PlayStation 3 ran like poo, but like PlayStation 4 <laughs> is, it's just fine. It's great. Like, it's just simple. It's clean. You can have your certain amount of games. You can have every game on your machine. And if you've got a drive on me, it's like, hun- like just scrolling forever trying to find what you need. But I think it's just, it's so much clean and simple. And when you, when you look at the Microsoft and how they've done their tiles and things over the years, and it just seems like they're just like, oh, let's just like hammer this on there. Let's put that on there sort mm. of thing. Oh God, Those let's things. fix this. Oh no sort of thing. And yeah, it just, it, ma- it makes me want to throw up sometimes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think they've like someone in their design wheelhouse, especially on the, on the phone side of things, was clearly the one who pioneered the tile thing. And I feel like they've just been completely dedicated to it in the face of what feels like the rest of the company going, for the love of God, can you change this? Um, yeah. Because they run with it and everything and it always looks pretty naff. Um, we got a ton more questions, which we will do. We'll do a follow-up uh, Q&A pod because there's uh, lots of stuff that came in. So thank you all very much for submitting stuff. Um, I did want to end on uh, the question from uh, Hail the Bail, which is a great name. And um, this would be very quick on you guys to go with your gut responses what is the greatest game for playstation 4 benroy hmm. 
Uh, uh, Death Stranding. Death Stranding. Interesting take, Mr. Josh Brown. What is the greatest game uh, on PlayStation 4? Yeah, no, people aren't going to like this, but it's uh, The Last of Us Part 2, I think. That, I that's think fine. Is. I thought you were going to say something is. crazy. Like, oh, it's Gravity Rush 2, because like, it's, it's good on that route. Uh, I'm going to go God of War. I think the 2018's God of War is the best game for PlayStation Mate, can 4. Can we say, I love Last of Us Part 2 as well, but well, Death Stranding just what wins. What you got said is it? Ben Roy, Ben Roy, Ben Roy. I also love Death Stranding. <laughs> it's probably number two. Probably number two. We can, we can yeah, join yeah. forces. Let's defeat Scott. Of those three things. We'll do some sort of best PlayStation 4 games of the generation, obviously. It'll probably be a list, but we'll do a podcast follow-up as well for the sake of more banter like this, where I have to fight both of you off because God of War is clearly number one. So whatever. But anyway, for now, for now, as my voice disappeared, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Ben Roy Turner. Something Kojima-related that I was going to say. Fantastic. And also, Josh Brown. <laughs> Goodbye, and I'm sorry. You should be, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.